0: Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. They're incredible sheets. They're incredible bed sheets. that were inspired by NASA. They use silver-infused fabrics and make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature. And let me tell you a little something about myself. When I first moved to New York City, I essentially went to a corner bodega, bought a set of sheets that were made out of what felt like cardboard. And that's what I slept on for, like years. I thought I guess I thought I just wasn't even worth more. or like, I just didn't even know that comfort was possible. And then I started like actually realizing like, oh, I don't have to live like this and buying actual sheets that made sense. And truly, the temperature regulating property of these NASA inspired sheets by Miracle Made or like the apotheosis of adult, living like you can live with comfort with temperature regulating. The funny thing is, I thought temperature regulating was just like something you had to just deal with your whole life. There was no sheet that could help you with that. Your body just went through wild temperatures and that just, you know, sucked and you had to just deal with it. But you don't have to deal with it because you can get miracle made sheets. They're self-cooling for better sleep. They're also, this one's really fun and it's actually really important for my husband, they're self-cleaning because they're infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial Growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. And because of that, it's designed for your skin. So it stops the bacteria, so it doesn't clog your pores and it doesn't cause as much, you know, breakouts and acne, which is a big problem for my husband. Since we started using Miracle Made, my husband has just had way less of the breakouts and the clogged pores. And like I said, they're just like luxurious um, they're designed for a person who's graduating from the cardboard sheets of their youth <laughs> graduate from those you guys so go to try miracle.com fake the nation again that's Try try miracle dot com slash fake the nation and at the checkout use the promo code fake the nation and you'll get three free towels And you'll save an extra 20%. And Miracle's so confident in their product that it's backed with a 30-day Money back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you're going to get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three piece towel set and save 40% off. Again, that's slash fake the nation to treat yourself. And thanks so much to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. And thanks so much to Miracle Made for regulating my body temperature at night uh, with the sheets. I really love them.
1: Fake the Nation, episode 211.
0: Hello, hello! This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we rejoice as the big tech companies are in D.C. this week being questioned about their monopolistic behaviors. I'm your host and antitrust nerd, Nagin Farsad. Uh, I won't bore you with more antitrust stuff, um, or entertain you with it, uh, because this week we're going to talk about relief bills, we'll check in on federal troops, and we'll also talk about the RNC and the DNC conventions. And, ooh, last but not least... White Fragility, a new take. Uh, Today, I'm really excited by the panel. And uh, to continue that tradition, we have with us um, an actor who you've seen on The Legends of Tomorrow, one of the DC comics. She is, by the way, the first Muslim superhero. (laughs) So exciting. Uh, She's also producer of the podcast. That's what she said. You guys, it's Tala Ash. And also joining us on the panel is, uh, well, you've heard him here before. It's been a while since he's been with us, so we're so happy to have him back. He's a writer. He's a producer. You've seen his handiwork on The Daily Show and on uh, Full Frontal. He even has an Emmy for the things that he's done (laughs) uh, because he's fancy. It is Trayvon Free. Hey, Trayvon.
1: Uh, Hey, how are you guys?
0: (laughs) I just spit doing your introduction uh, (laughs) like a classically trained stage actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like John and uh,
1: Hamilton,
2: <laughs> right like front what row. That spittle was.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, are you guys ready for us to get into it?
2: Yeah, sure. All right, here
0: we go with topic number one. Friday, Friday, Friday. It's the last day of pandemic pay. If you have filed for unemployment, which is a shit ton of you out there in America, um, so. I guess my first question is, where are we with the Senate bill and them actually doing something? Uh, Side note, they've had months to do something. And here we are at the last minute right before pandemic pay runs out on Friday and they still haven't done the thing. Uh, So my question uh, to you is, yeah, where are we? What are your thoughts, Trayvon?
1: I think we're in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I I don't think (laughs) we seem to have... Uh, a grasp on the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic and that forty percent of Americans can't pay their rent, didn't pay their rent, and uh, I don't think our government gives a shit. <laughs> I mean, I see, I see they were they were talking about reducing the payments to two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which I mean. Come on, just just send me uh, an envelope with a fist in it that punches me in the face when I open it, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if that's what you're going to do. It's, it's kind of ridiculous that even when the country is at its most vulnerable and people are, are hurting, you you get to see exactly what it looks like when you have the most incompetent leadership, when people say, what's the worst that could happen in 2016? Well, you're living it.
0: Uh, Trayvon, we already did get an envelope with a fist in it that punches us in the face because the last stimulus checks um, were on delay because they had to have Donnie's signature on them. (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, that's basically a punch in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, here's the thing. Okay, so Tala, the Democrats want to spend, so so Trayvon mentioned they want to cut the pandemic pay to $200. They also want to do tax cuts um, and liability protection for businesses. The Dems. So they want to spend a total of $1 trillion. The Dems, on the other hand, want to spend $3 trillion. They want to keep pandemic pay at $600 a week. Um, you know, and, and for those of you who don't know, if you, if you don't, I feel like there isn't a person in America who doesn't know, someone who at least is, has filed for unemployment and is receiving unemployment right now. But for those of you who just crazily might not know, um, there's a weekly $600 pandemic pay on top of what you normally would normally get for um, unemployment. Uh, Tala,
2: what do you think of these? Uh, the difference in these bills? I mean, it's not surprising, right? But uh, I guess what <laughs> what has been uh, amusing to me is how obsessed the Republicans seem to be with this, the federal pandemic unemployment compensation, that's $600. They mm-hmm. seem so obsessed with how the middle and lower class, everybody who's getting unemployment is going to spend that money, when in, in that first coronavirus relief package, they gave hundreds of billions of dollars to corporations. The PPP loans, uh, you know, 95% of Black-owned businesses didn't qualify for those. And now they're just obsessed over this like $600. It's like It is people's lifeline right now. Can I just plug something really quickly? Yeah. Um, On behalf of my industry. (laughs) um, Yeah. There's a group uh, on Instagram and Twitter. They're called Be an Arts Hero. And they're basically uh, advocating on behalf of, you know, people in arts and culture whose jobs are non-existent and and will be non-existent for many, many more months. Like, theater is not coming back until 2021. And... Like, you know, we're not talking about famous actors. We're not talking about people. We're not talking about 1%. But all the people who make the arts happen, like, they don't yeah, have jobs. working
0: and actors, working, uh, I don't know, the theater custodial staff. I mean, there's so many people affected. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
2: all of these people that make the arts go will not, do not have jobs. And... They don't they probably don't necessarily have especially like the BIPOC community, they don't have financial safety net. They don't have rich parents helping them through this time. So they need that six hundred dollars literally to survive this time. Um so it's I mean, I don't know. It's mean, it's not only really like the right thing to do, which you know, we don't the government doesn't often do, but it's also like it, it makes economic sense. Um arts and culture make up $877 billion of the U.S. economy, um, which I didn't know. Um, And so, yeah, like, I just want, I just want Thank you for whipping
0: out that statistic. That's, uh, yeah, I didn't know that either. (laughs) I had
2: no idea. And and five million jobs. There's five million jobs from arts and culture right now that, you know, nobody, nobody can do. So, I mean, I I think that's sort of like an and, and Cobra subsidy, like there's so much stuff that, you know, I'm just talking again about like my sort of sector, but there's so many people who that $600 is like their only lifeline. And the fact that they're trying to take it away is insane to me.
0: It's insane. But
2: I I do want to
0: ask the question of both of you, the argument that $600 additional a week is a disincentive to getting a job. And so that's the main complaint of the conservatives and i and i want to say um you know i know some people uh that are like in the food world and have restaurants and stuff like that and they have pointed out that in a couple of cases again not the majority of cases but in a couple of cases with their staff they found that the people don't want to come back as long as there is um pandemic pay um you know there are a variety of reasons for not wanting to come back. Like the, and the anxiety of catching coronavirus and being in like a very public facing job is a part of it. Um, you know, so there's other things going on, but they have noticed that like the pandemic pay is giving them, I, I guess you want to call it the luxury of not <laughs> of not coming back to work. Trayvon, what do you say uh, to that argument?
1: I mean think about the fact that some people are making more money on pandemic pay than they were making at their actual job and you recognize what kind of shitty situation people have been in for so long Mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy to me that they think constantly they they repeat this this thing about how if you give people the bare minimum they'll just quit life to ride the bare minimum train and it's like, who out here is, is sitting at home going, man, if I could just get $600 uh, uh, a week or however often they send out that check, I'd be riding the gravy train out of here for the rest of my life. Like, it's just not—it's it's not a thing. It's so insane that they think people think that little of themselves. Like, they, they tout this American exceptionalism, this American dream— but they think we're all a bunch of lazy fucks who just want a little bit of something to get us by. And then that's and that's it.
0: Well, and the other thing is, it it. I mean, forgetting like you can take all of the emotion out of it, like whether or not we're lazy fucks or whether or not, you know, this is an actual disincentive or whatever, just like, take all of the emotion out of it. Economists across the spectrum say that if you remo- – the people that are spending the money that's propping up the economy, like consumer spending right now, are the people that are receiving these, like, $600 payments. It's mostly – and this is – you know, they, they. I remember reading earlier in the pandemic or, like – I remember reading recently that that of a study about like the first couple of months of the pandemic that basically rich people stopped spending and they immediately started hoarding their money right so then it became everyone else who was kind of like propping up the economy um because rich people weren't being weren't a part of the spending I wish I could um cite that i don't remember where i read it uh but basically the the extra unemployment benefits are injecting billions of dollars into the american economy and if those benefits go away then the recovery which is already stop and start and weak um the recovery is is bound to to completely fail um and and this is again from these this is Economists agree on this across the ideological spectrum. There's like a unanimous agreement that it's it's the lack of jobs, not a lack of willingness to work, that's holding the economy back right now. Obviously, because – and, and Tali, you, you already mentioned this in your example about the arts. It's not like these people – don't want to go back to their job in the arts it's that there is no job currently in the arts <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um so it's just super ridiculous or it's like the restaurant industry you know they're making so much less than they were so like where what are all these jobs that you're talking about um and and that i think is like is like the most uh frustrating um aspect is that you know conservatives are like sort of, sort of Fixated on this number of not having it go over a trillion dollars, but they don't even necessarily want to listen to the conservative economists who they would th- who are theoretically on their side, right? That that it's that this is a bad move. The other thing I want to point out is any change in the infrastructure of the pandemic payment is going to take weeks, if not months, to cycle through at the state level. We saw that already in March, right when they initially passed this bill for the $600 pandemic pay, it took weeks. The The unemployment was at a standstill in places like New York state. I mean, I think all over the country, but just speaking um, here anecdotally, uh, no one I knew who was filing for unemployment was able to get it in a timely fashion. You know what I mean? And then try explaining that to your landlord. Um. So, so that's the other thing, but I also just want to point out just like, On a slightly more gossipy note, although still frustrating (laughs) as fuck, there's a $2 billion bullet point in the bill that the House is pushing for a new FBI building or for renovations to the current building or whatever – $2 billion.
2: You know, even Mitch McConnell, like that was surprising to him. It seemed like when someone asked him about it, he was like, wait, what? Like, even he was like, that's not, (laughs) the the optics there are not good. I know, and then, yeah, go ahead. They
1: they also had $2 billion for F 35s, a billion dollars for surveillance planes, 375 million for armored vehicles. Three hundred sixty million for missile defense, two hundred eighty-three million for Apache helicopters, all (laughs) in the bill for coronavirus.
0: Guys, not the right time.
1: That's not how you fight a virus. That's not how you fight a virus.
0: Do they think they're just gonna like load the virus up onto helicopters and then fly (laughs) it away? (laughs) I
2: mean, like, how do they think this works? (laughs) I mean, not to be too cynical. Like not to be too cynical, but I'm like, are you gonna start a war to distract us from the coronavirus? Because that's what that's what those numbers. Seem. What that's, yeah, 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 100%. yeah. One hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And at this point, the war could be with anybody. You know what I mean? Anyone. Belgium will be probably like probably Iran, us?
2: but who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> who knows? Um. All right. Well, we will. You know, uh, keep abreast of the situation. I don't. It's like it's funny because I think I would have normally been like oh we'll know by friday but i don't know if we'll actually know by friday <laughs> so
2: Aren't they at, wait isn't isn't senate and recess didn't mcconnell put him in recess for three weeks like for, i think
0: they're going into recess. oh yeah the idea is incredible. that they'll be going into Lovely. recess which is the okay. other thing is in the middle of a i'm all for like You know, senators going back to their district offices and blah, blah, blah. And then also even, like, senators taking vacation. Like, I get it. I fucking get it. However, in the middle of a pandemic, I'm okay with some, um, you know, less like a less recess. Like, if you guys need to be there to pass (laughs) some bills, fucking stick around. Because they already said that they can't do the online voting thing. So, if that's the case and you have to be in D.C., then... Mitch, keep them in D.C. Unless, of course, you just want to see some inaction, which maybe that's your thing. Uh, Good luck on your election. People of Kentucky will remember that you were into inaction in the middle of, like, this, you know, (laughs) world historic pandemic. Uh, All right. Let us take a quick break. Um, And when we come back, we are going to talk about uh, troops. (laughs) Troops. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Ugh, folks. I mean, first of all, it's a personal finance app that helps you find and cancel unwanted subscriptions and it monitors your spending and it helps you lower your bills. But that's headline news, okay? What it has done for me, it has reminded me of the absolute ridiculous world of things that I have subscribed to. And why have I subscribed to them? Why have I wasted my money in such a way? And thank God that Rocket Money has come around to show me that, hey, Negin, you don't need a subscription to an obscure Brazilian film archive, do you? One of the things that I found for me once oh, that was really upsetting was that I was paying for a subscription twice it was an educational app. And you think an educational app isn't going to do you that way, but you know what? It might, it also lowered a bill for me. It lowered my cable bill. Yes, I still pay for cable. Don't worry about it. And then the other great thing is when you are trying to get rid of these subscriptions, you just do it with one tap. You don't have to like call customer service or whatever, all the other miserable things that you do when you're trying to get rid of a subscription. It just does it with one tap. That's, one of the actually best things about it because I've had such a hard time in the past trying to unsubscribe from something myself. It lowers your bills for you by up to 20%. 5 million users. It has helped save an average of $720 a year, which makes sense for me because that's about as much as that's about what I was saving. And with over $550 million in canceled subscriptions, that's what they've achieved. I mean, you've heard me talk about Rocket Money before. It has really improved my relationship with subscriptions. I'm going to just tell you that much. So stop wasting your money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fakethenation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fakethenation. Guys, cancel those unwanted subscriptions at rocketmoney.com slash fakethenation. Today's show is sponsored by Factor. You guys, I totally was a factor person before they even sponsored this show because they're so delicious. And when you're constantly busy and just need a few nights of meals a week to just not have to cook, like, factor's incredible. And then for me, here's the other incredible thing is they have these delicious keto meals because I try not to eat carbs and they have these wonderful keto meals. And me and my husband have just been rejoicing in factor meals. So here's their deal, they're ready to eat, they're fresh, they're never frozen, they're chef crafted, dietitian approved. They're also ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. And like I said, I had like the keto stuff, but they also have Calorie Smart, they have Protein Plus. There's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Um, I had one of their little green juice shots that I really enjoyed. And oh my God, I just remember having this one meal. It was like grilled chicken situation with like a, I want to say like a, creamed spinach situation. Oh, so delicious. I remember also having like a cauliflower mash situation. I mean, they really make the veggies taste delicious. This ain't your grandma's veggies. Mm -mm. They make them fun and delicious and not at all like, oh, I'm eating healthy. It's not like that. It's like, this is fun and delicious. There's no prep, no mess. Like I said, they're ready to heat. And ready to eat. So you don't have to prep. You don't have to buy stuff, ingredients, and da-da-da. I mean, if also, if you're like me and you're just, like, not terribly confident in the kitchen, you're going to love Factor. All right. So here is what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com. All right. Head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50. And use the code Fakethenation50 to get 50% off. That's code FAKETHENATION50 at factormeals.com slash FAKETHENATION50 to get 50% off. It is such a good deal. Are back and we're just gonna do a quick, quick check-in on federal troops because we talked about this at length last week um with respect to Portland. I just saw a New York Times uh notification that the federal um troops are gonna are, they've agreed to remove them from Portland as long as Portland secures federal properties. So, I mean, there's also federal troops in other parts of the country and other cities. Um, also, Bill Billy Barr, um, he testified at Congress this week, uh, saying about Portland specifically that uh, quote violent rioters and anarchists have hijacked legitimate protests to wreak senseless havoc and destruction. Um, I just wanted to quickly get each of your thoughts on this whole process and how it's landing with with you and how you think it's landing politically um, for a, a president who has no plan for his second term like who's made no sorry not not that he has no plan for a second term well he doesn't <laughs> if he should but he should but he's made no, he has a plan he has no for 10
2: more terms <laughs> yeah he has, he has
0: no who has no plat like campaign platform for a second term
2: well, I feel like he's, I mean, fully grasping at straws at this point. He doesn't have a plan, but I feel like one of the plans, if we can call it that, um is this. By the way, do you guys know that it's called Operation Diligent Valor? That's no. what it's called. The the federal. <laughs> Wait, it's called Wait. what? Could you just repeat? Oper- it? Operation Diligent Valor.
0: Oh oh, geez. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, of course yeah. it is. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> but I feel like I mean, again, this strategy, if we can call it that, is that he's trying to. He's he's first of all gone to like a, like a liberal city, but a small enough one where I feel like if this was in New York, like it it would have gotten different coverage. It would just have been a different thing. But I think he's just using it as basically like he's just stoking the flames to get like footage to get footage for his footage footage yeah, yeah for his like. Uh-huh. videos for his little election right. videos yeah yeah like, these these liberals these scary antifa violent rioters like right that seems well the, to be you've like, seen the ad strategy. that's
0: like you've seen the ad that like that's like this is joe biden's america or whatever which is funny because it's like <laughs> actually this is continually c- c- like, it's Currently, your America. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like the, the like logic of the the ads don't work because it's like no, no, no. This is happening under your watch. Like Joe Biden is still just a guy right now. Um, and, so,
1: and the like, and the riot footage in that in that ad wasn't even from here.
0: Incredible. I it, was taken it wasn't from, from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some stock footage. Like
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> cinematographers like put together some. Yeah. Um, Trayvon. It, how, what do you, how? do you? you take? What do you think of Barr's testimony?
1: Um, I mean, it was it was what you expected. He is so under the thumb of Trump and is willing to appear to be such a uh, uh, an idiot who doesn't know, who claim, claims to not know anything that's going on with the president. He doesn't know when he's tweeting. He doesn't know what he thinks. He doesn't know what he says. Yet he's constantly doing his bidding. And, <laughs> I <laughs> but, love that. And, and, so, uh, and he sat so there true. for— for all that time to, to basically say he didn't know anything, but he, I mean, if anything, it should be called Operation I'm Down 15 Points because <laughs> it's all <laughs> basically him trying to find any way to grasp at anything that will move the needle for him. And it's like, if you think going to Portland and and uh, now L.A. to to beat up protesters is going to all of a sudden move the needle in your direction. You were not paying attention last month.
0: Yeah, and I just, it's even, it's its also, it's making a mockery of his own supporters because I think his own supporters are like, you know, we get what you're saying, but like, it's also this, small this thing that's happening in Portland, it's not. How is this affecting our lives? Like, I want to talk about pandemic pay. <laughs> I mean, I still that think right. you can be a Trump supporter and be reasonable. Like, mm, you know, I've, I've been a Trump supporter, but like, really, I, we need some leadership on the coronavirus because like my uncle Larry just died. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's right. what it, it, it's like. Don't this. Everyone is being treated Every every one of his, um, I think, base supporters are being treated like they're dumb. And then they are not dumb and I think can see through this. Uh, all right. Well, you know, we'll keep track of the federal troops in American cities. And it's so what's so interesting is that with this uh, this new alert that we got that, the you know, the troops are going to be leaving Portland. It's just like how much money was fucking wasted that could be used on one of the on this three trillion dollar fucking bill you know what i mean or like testing
2: supplies
0: (laughs) right we have we can't even test people what are you doing
1: we just need need one and and a half fbi buildings (laughs) (laughs) that's all we need
0: Use these troops to go collect saliva and fucking batch test Americans. What are you doing?
1: Um, Maybe that's right. what they were doing in Portland. They were just trying to get their saliva <laughs> by any means necessary. DNA swabs. Yeah, it was really aggressive antibody testing.
0: Oh, I bet you FDR would have had troops collecting saliva. Um. All right, let's move on to official topic number two. So Trump canceled the big D- the big RNC convention that was planned for Jacksonville after moving it from North Carolina because they wanted to establish some pandemic protocols for the convention, which I think is fun and hilarious that they had to cancel it anyway, um, because there was a huge surge in Florida. So and a bunch of GOP leaders were like, I'm not going for the record. like You guys can do it. I'm not going to go. So Trump basically went and canceled it and said, oh, it's, it's not the right time. And he kind of made it seem like he you know, he's like the. Uh, the adults, you know, that was able to make that decision. Um, what, so what do you think of this cancellation? What do you think that means for his, uh, for his party?
1: I don't think it was his idea. I mean, I feel like yeah, no. he would have wanted to have the, the, uh, the convention if everyone in Florida had coronavirus, he, he still would have wanted to do it.
2: Yeah. I think it was
1: yeah. definitely probably somebody in the campaign having the sense to be like, Okay, maybe let's just not like go this far, especially after we all got coronavirus when we went to Tulsa. Like, <laughs> like, let's just let's just scale it back a little bit.
2: Um,
0: the uh, well, the the actual and the the funny thing is like the actual convention part where they decide on the platform is still going to happen in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and um and here's another fun thing. So Trump said that they're, that they're gonna you know they're gonna go on and do the convention through tele rallies.
2: He um, trademarked that. He
0: trademarked
2: the word Sometimes I love this guy, man. He doesn't disappoint. It's so on brand. But I like. Bro, nobody wants to use the word tell
1: You can have it. Keep <laughs> it's it. yours. <laughs> Fucking it's yours. No one's going to fight you in court for that.
2: Yeah. The Democrats will say like virtual fundraiser with like a few more syllables and it's fine.
1: <laughs> and it's
2: fine. Um,
1: so- We're going to have a tell rally. Trademark me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you think that not having a convention and that not being able to do these rallies will, in itself, like, forget just everything else, do you think part of what made Donnie a viable candidate in 2016 was that these rallies had some sort of an entertaining effect that carried through to the polls? Like, do you think that without the rally, without the whatever... God, dare I say, charismatic energy that he provides to these mass audiences that he could still win? Like, is a teller rally gonna work for him?
1: No, because I it's don't think not. his, I don't think the bulk of his followers can figure out the Zoom thing. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think they probably have a little trouble getting the, remembering to mute themselves. They'll be talking over each other. I don't know. I don't think it, I don't think it'll have the same energy because like, it's hard enough listening to him talk anytime. Let alone on a video call where there's literally no energy.
0: Right, right. I um I was talking to um, I heard for like this as expert speaking and um on a Zoom call about like how to present on Zoom, and uh, and he was saying that like if you don't change what you're doing every seven minutes, like. In, with it, like at the seven-minute mark, is when people on Zoom start to go into a catatonic state. <laughs> 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 and so you have to kind of like dramatically change like what you're doing or like the screen. You know, you have to screen share. Um, you have to do something because that's how like mind-numbing Zoom becomes. Um, and so I uh, I just was thinking like Donnie does will go and he'll do the same tone of speaking for like two yeah. full boring horrible hours um i get in, i would get into a catatonic state live you know what i mean uh, <laughs> like watching him do that never mind on zoom so i do i do also think you know in the way that cults might work and i'm not trying to reduce trump supporters into like cult followers or anything but but just like in the way that cults work on presence like you know, it's different being around David Koresh than hearing about David Koresh, or like <laughs> just you know what I mean, seeing like a soundbite of David Koresh, right? Like I, there's there's a difference. Um, so I think there is something. A, a, That disadvantages him a lot in not being present. Um, The DNC decided to do a largely virtual convention um, with, I think, a little bit of, you know, a couple of nights of televised stuff. Um, People are going to be broadcasting from all over the country as opposed to everyone in Milwaukee. Um, So basically, we're not going to see, like, standard conventions from both parties. Are you bummed? Are you happy? Are you indifferent? Uh, Where are (laughs) you with this?
2: I mean, you know, I wasn't going to watch that the RNC convention anyways, right? Right. And I I think most people aren't. Like, the the most we're going to get from that are these, as you say, like, totally weird, flat, void-like speeches (laughs) where we'll get, like, we'll just get, like, the most outrageous clips, which probably, like, we'll just watch, like, Sarah Cooper lip sync, you know, preferably. Right. And I mean, listen, the DNC, first of all, they, they went, they went to teller rally mode, quote unquote, like way earlier to the convention. <laughs> and so I think that it's just going to be like better planned. It's going to be more fun, like, like the DNC, I think always is in terms of like, whatever, they're going to get, you know, their celebrities and their like musical. I think it's going to be more fun. Am I going to watch it? Like, probably, probably not. Um, I, I mean, I just, at this point, I just want to know who the VP is. Like, that's, that's yeah. why I'm invested in that convention.
0: Uh, question for you, Tala: If the VP is like, it's it, is there a VP that pick, you know, of the names that get floated around? Those names being um, Tammy Duckworth, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, um, um, Stacey Abrams. Uh, yeah, Stacey. If she's, I guess, still, um, still on that list, there's a there's there's a couple others um that i'm blanking on their names uh, susan rice i think has been on the list uh is there anyone whose name has been floated that you would just be massively disappointed
2: oh disappointed yes, yes yes as a twist um, yeah. <laughs> listen i mean at this point okay here are my feelings about joe biden very very briefly yeah. like yeah. i'm not i'm not waiting i am I'm, I'm not expecting to be like super excited by joe biden or surprised at this point by by anything that he does uh, i think they're handling him well whatever um I don't need to be excited. That's very clear to me about this election. I just need, I just need to like keep my to foot v- on the gas, vote. right? But, yeah. So I think, I think almost like any VP pick will be good will be like a novel if nothing else like I would be more excited about a Stacey Abrams and or an Elizabeth Warren than maybe some others but like even if it's Kamala who like I feel like less excited about maybe I could freaking get behind her and I think she will she will help him ultimately and I think he needs he needs like he just needs something new Like the man just needs like a new shirt and
1: (laughs) he needs a new look. Like
2: he needs, he needs a little makeover and I feel like he's going to get it through the VP somehow.
0: Um, Trayvon. So I'm just going to ask you the same question, but I'm going to throw into the pot a couple of more names. um, The names that I couldn't remember people like Tammy Baldwin, Karen Bass. Um, and, uh, there was one more I wanted to tell, oh, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Uh, so yes. Yeah. So, again, is there anyone that you would be disappointed by?
1: I feel like I wouldn't be disappointed so much by a particular individual. It would probably be more so someone that I don't feel completes the ticket in a way that people in this particular point in America want to see. Like, that can provide people with something that they feel comfortable enough with, that they know enough about the person, that they have, they feel like they have the experience to not feel like, oh, it's still, for the most part, just Joe Biden. Like, I would love to see Elizabeth Warren get the nomination because I feel like... I'm, I'm fine with Biden being the guy because he is uh, a competent person, <laughs> which we haven't had in a very long time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it would be nice to have a consumer mm-hmm. advocate, somebody who represents a part of the party that is clearly growing rapidly and can help push us forward and push Joe Biden forward on some of the issues around uh things like healthcare and and taxes and all the things that people rallied around her and bernie for that
0: does um Kamala's experience as a prosecutor worry you
1: A little yeah mm-hmm. it does it <clears throat> it's Would you be
0: disappointed that, if she's the one?
1: I would not I would not be very excited by it okay. um I would I would feel, I would be very kind of, I guess indifferent for lack of a better word, but it wouldn't be based on her her record as a prosecutor because I feel very strongly about issues around uh, policing and, and, and things of that nature. And I I don't feel like I trust her yet in that regard. She hasn't convinced me that the things she's done were not who she is <laughs> and that she would bring that to the white house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that troubles me
0: right um yeah it's a tough choice i gotta be honest because well like if it's me it's i, I mean listeners know this because i was so just obscenely obscenely in the bag for e-dubs uh, and yes. uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like uh, the love
0: letters that heart, I have written breaker. to
2: Elizabeth Warren, right? <laughs> same, same, same,
0: same. <laughs> um, and, and and saying that, I also recognize it's a very difficult time to have two white people on yeah. the ticket, but also that she had. Like incredible support from leadership of organizations of color, you know, so there was, it was a just it's a weird it's just
2: weird. It's hard because I do think her policies actually support people of color yeah. more yeah. than people, some of the candidates that are people of color, which is a bummer, yeah. you know. But yeah, total bummer. Just, total. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, think it's, the other, um,
1: mm-hmm. I think another thing, too, that I I think people definitely need to realize now through November is a lot of people especially non people of color feel like they can make all these excuses for why they can't vote for someone like Biden um and because they don't want to like hold their nose and vote for a candidate they don't they're not in love with and to that i say Black people have been holding our nose and voting for candidates. We don't like our entire existence in this mm. country that mm-hmm. we've had the ability to vote. And there was one time in this country's history where we were excited about a candidate, and it was <laughs> not that long ago. And so if if we can spend our almost entire existence in this country holding our nose and voting for white people who we don't necessarily know that we can trust to to support our issues and— and do the things necessary to make the best effort to propel the country forward, you can fucking vote for Joe Biden to get rid of Donald Trump one time in your life. (laughs) Like, you can do that. It's not going to hurt you. Like, it it makes me so upset, because it's just like, grow up, like, be an adult. Like, that's not how politics works.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I, yeah, also as someone who's like, I'm never... Probably, Tala gonna see an Iranian American, right? <laughs>
2: that uh, maybe, maybe VP. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> super, but, super lucky.
0: <laughs> but you know, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like, yeah. Be an adult. I think that's a really excellent point. Also, um, like now quick, is not. Um, yeah, say it.
2: Say it. I would say now is also. Things are so dire for so many communities that now especially is the time to be an adult and register to vote and vote for Biden. Like that's it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, I wanna just quickly turn our attention to some of the fear surrounding the actual mechanics of voting now I don't know if you know this but in my district here um, in New York City I uh, my our rep is Carolyn Maloney and uh, she had a very serious primary challenge from Siraj Patel and the margin that her that she has over him is so 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 minor and there's sixty five thousand ballots that have yet to be counted that were vote. That is my baby crying. If you can hear that, okay. There's sixty five thousand. There's six. She is not happy about the fact that the uh, that election has not been determined yet. <laughs> yeah, she's really upset, and she's like Elizabeth Warren. That's what she cries every time. Um. So 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 Carolyn Maloney and Suraj Patel. That race has not yet been decided. Right. And. This is not just because it's it's a close race, blah, blah, blah. but it's part of the problem is that the actual mechanics of like literally the postal services involvement in getting absentee ballots. And then when and then are they to, like they found a random box of absentee ballots in Chicago that were for a Wisconsin election in April. You know what I mean? Like mm. these kinds of things are happening because the mechanism for mail-in ballot, um, mail-in ballots hasn't been um, tested before in most of these states. I mean, there's some states that already have that, right, like Oregon or whatever. So for them, it was really easy. But for states, you know, most states that don't have this, like, robust mechanism in place, it's very difficult. Um, we're almost in a situation—I'm just going to say something crazy—we're almost in a situation where we kind of need to ask people, if you are healthy, please go vote in person. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like if you don't work, like if you just throw on a mask, go stand in a really long line, you know what I mean? And socially distant vote in a safe way, please do that (laughs) because I'm worried about actual physical votes being counted. Um, Is that something that keeps you up at night? (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my God. Yes. The other thing I want to say is also, I've, I've been seeing a little bit of this online, like telling younger, healthier people to go be pole workers. Like I think that's yes. really important too. Yes. Like it's usually, you know, people older over people. sixty. That, yeah. Like those yep. people do not need to be sitting in a, in a, you know, airless room all day. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm super worried about this. I like I'm I think if everybody had like the best intentions, we would still be pretty fucked. But obviously, a lot of people do not have the best intentions um, for for uh, vote by mail. I mean, they're like Trump is just trying to dismantle USPS like left and right. And um, Right, yeah, funding may run out in September, so that's the other weird oh, aspect how of this. convenient, yeah, yeah. How, like, I, I tried to get an absentee ballot for New York, and I just never received it. Like, I just oh, never shit. received it, you know? Like, I, I, I'm, wor- I'm worried. I'm really worried about it. Yeah. I also think, like, the other thing I think we have to, like, get used to now is, like, we're not going to get the results on election that night. That day, no. And, like, people need to, like... I think we just need to accept it now and know that, so that so that that the bullshit CNN stuff, which I know is still going to happen, like it's like I think we just need to tamp down expectations. Know that like we're going to find out in a week because again, like they're still counting votes in New York City, which is insane, but is totally going to happen. That's can I
0: make a pitch to solve some of our problems, please? <laughs> the pitch is I think. Influent, young, healthy influencers, YouTube stars, and celebrities, and I know some of you listen to this fucking podcast, should be <laughs> poll workers. <laughs> right? Like, you don't need the money, so immediately donate that money. But right. you may actually bring the young people out to vote. Um Again, it's like, I, again, I don't want to, like, encourage people to go out if they're not healthy. But the yeah, polling, I, mean, if, I actually... If you Kylie know what I mean? Jenner so wants is- to do
1: something good for the world, go sit at a polling station and let right? 10,000 10, 14 year old or, or 10,000 18 year olds line up to vote at her polling station.
0: And I don't know if Kylie Jenner is allowed to go be at a polling station in a swing state, but that's what I really <laughs> want to see. So, because <laughs> she can take a, a private legit, jet, Very
2: good idea. <laughs> Thank you. This is brilliant.
0: (laughs) Can someone please make this happen? By the way, I know influencers, if you're listening, make it happen. Create the hashtag. You could take all the credit. But that is my idea. (laughs) Call it hashtag influence the polls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there it is. Influence (laughs) the polls. I love that. All right. Um... Uh, People of Fake the Nation, uh, let me know. Does this keep you up at night? Um, And if this doesn't keep you up at night, what aspect of the 2020 elections do (laughs) keep you up at night? (laughs) Send me all your anxieties. All right. Let us move into topic number three. We read a piece called The Real White Fragility by Ross Douthit in The Times. And many of you are wondering if it's a summary of the white guys that I have dated. Um, and that's what I thought when I first saw the title of the article. It wasn't that. I'm going to quote uh, that He says, if your bourgeois order is built on a cycle of competition and reward and the competition gets fiercer, fiercer while the rewards diminish, then instead of young people hooking up safely on the way to a lucrative job in a dual-income marriage with 2.1 kids, you'll get young people set adrift, unable to pair off, postponing marriage permanently while they wait for stability that never comes. So let's launch into this by asking the central question that's posed by the article. Um, Does the white upper class feel exhausted and oppressed? By meritocracy, and before you answer, <laughs> I have a feeling you may want to completely dismantle the entire premise of this piece. <laughs> but be- before we do that, um, let's just argue—you know—the merits of the of the premise as they as they are. Uh, Trayvon, what were your thoughts when you read this? Uh,
1: I wanted to destroy my computer. <laughs> 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 because I can't, like, as someone who has uh, an opinion piece in the New York Times today, it's kind of astounding that these words also get in the New York Times.
0: <laughs> and
1: it's, By I the mean, way, I
0: did not know you had an opinion piece in the Times today.
1: I didn't even know it was coming out today.
0: <laughs> my God, get, plug, plug, plug. News. What's it called? Uh,
1: it's a piece about John Donaldson, the... Uh, uh, the most famous baseball player you've never heard of. The oh, okay. headline of the pieces. Uh, this great black baseball player still isn't in the Hall of Fame, is the headline.
0: Wow. And, um check that out. That's so exciting.
1: Yeah, working on a movie about him. And so um yeah, it's just, I mean, I most of the stuff he writes, I wanna vomit even getting through <laughs> half, like if if I can get through half of it. But, like, this is just absurd. <laughs> like, I don't even know where to begin. It's...
0: Well, I like, mean, the, the premise that is so, I think, hard to, to get on board with is that meritocracy is the thing in the first place. I think that's, like
1: red yeah. flag
0: number one
1: yeah like what
0: <laughs> even <laughs> what, what? even in the upper echelons like right even in the center of white privilege if you have a person um you know an upper income person who's white and has connections and then an upper income person who's white and doesn't have connections it's still the one with the com- connections right it's not like yeah. it's all meritocracy up here you yeah know?
1: exactly yeah, uh, so
0: that's a that's a big problem. But I, I think there's one thing, um, and, and tell, I'll ask you this: There's something that I I thought was kind of interesting. Um, he talked about the over that we have a, a problem of an overproduction of elites. Um, that we have a surplus, which he describes as like we've had a surplus of young, smart young Americans pursuing admissions to a narrow list of elite colleges, whose enrollment doesn't expand with population, even as foreign students increasingly compete for the same stagnant share of slots. And that seems to be true that we do have, like, more and more and more people that are super qualified to go to these elite colleges but are getting rejected just because of the sheer volume of people that are qualified to go to these elite colleges. Um, do you think uh, the overproduction of elites has led to an exhaustion um, – It's some kind of an, an exhaustion of this this competitive, we'll say again, meritocracy –
2: This this Ross outfit, I struggle with him so much. Also, can I just be petty for a minute and say that I think he's he's a bad writer? Like, I think his writing is really convoluted and like difficult to like difficult to read. Sometimes. Who's your editor? Maybe Trayvon, do you can find out in New York
0: Times. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to confess I had to read it like twice because I I had a hard time like, you know, following the main point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And he he kind of wrote five paragraphs before he even sort of about this sort of meritocracy before he like took yeah. it to BLM. Ugh, ugh. Um <laughs> What was your question, Nagin? I'm sorry, I'm so distracted by how much I I, I dislike this. And, and okay, I just want to yeah. say also, it's like I, I can be cynical, but like the cynicism, the the fact that he felt like this needed to be written right now to say that like, uh, you know, college educated elites elite white people are sad and so like that's maybe why they're getting like you know hop hopping on the train or whatever however he wants to sort of uh express the sentiment of, of blm and of, of this social movement like it's so fucking cynical um that kills me uh but wait what was i gonna say about uh yeah i mean uh, the other thing i think he he what he does and he's he's done this before in other articles of his i've read like he makes these statements where You kind of can't, you know, prove against it, but he's leaving out so much of the bigger context. It's like, yeah, I mean, sure, there's there's a lot more elites. This like meritocracy. There's there's less jobs maybe for them, but it's like, let's talk about. Let's talk about capitalism. Like, let's talk about, like, where we're headed. Like, let's talk about automation and jobs and technology and that we don't have a social safety net in this country and we don't have health care for people. Like, those are the things making people sad. And, like, yes, I guess it also ultimately affects, you know, rich, college-educated white people.
0: Right, right. So the, this, I think that's exactly it. The underpinning of whether or not you feel anxiety isn't that meritocratic systems are overburdened, overtaxed with so many with this with this so called overproduction of elites? That's not what gives people anxiety. What gives people anxiety is that they have no social safety net. Even and and I think there's there's something that's true, which is that even if you do graduate from an elite school. Um, the, it, the universal thing is that we're all going to feel anxiety because we don't have health care. We're all going to feel anxiety because we don't have universal child care. We're all going to feel anxiety because there's no universal pre-K. We're all going to feel anxiety, right, because, you know, there's no one there to, to take care of our our parents who might be ailing. Um, this is, these are the things, these are all, like, universal um, that that doesn't, you know, that, that give us anxiety um, across race and the, um, but not necessarily across class. Right. Um, and it's not it's not about this the 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 the, the, comp- the the high competition of the meritocratic system. Right. Like that's the thing that uh, it's like he he kind of fails to mention that we have no. Social safety net. <laughs> you know I
2: mean? and, but I love... He always does this. He brings it back to, like, what we're missing is the traditional family structure. What we're missing yeah, yeah, is yeah. religion. Like, it, it's it's so predictable. Ugh.
0: I do want to say that there is something, like, that If if religion is diminishing in importance um, and if like your neighborhood is diminishing in importance, if like, you know, com- some, uh, you know, the Elks Club or whatever the fuck it is, if those kinds of institutions are diminishing in importance and those were the places that you could have turned in times of need or that you could turn for some psychological comfort and those institutions are increasingly gone. Um, I do see his point that like, there's, those those institutions served some sort of function before in compensating for what was low incomes. You know what I mean? And now we don't have those institutions. Um, I guess my thing is we shouldn't need those institutions if the government was structured such that people were centered by it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: <I agree. laughs>
0: Um, I mean uh trayvon is there? do you want to um my question for you is <laughs> um what about yeah the term the use of the term white fragility i think in it in on its face was problematic, just like why do you even need to use that term right? Like, can you maybe explain to listeners why that might be like what white fragility means historically um and why g- kind of giving us this new take is really upsetting.
1: <laughs> I mean, when you if you understand Robin DiAngelo's definition of white white fragility, uh, which is to mean that when it comes to dealing with issues of uh, race and being confronted with those things, uh, white people have a tendency to try to center themselves. And when the conversation becomes too heavy for them, they they break down and are no longer participants in the conversation. And then it becomes about placating them and their feelings around the thing you're trying to, to discuss or, or debate or break down in that regard. And for this article, <laughs> this opinion piece... <laughs> to even invoke the title. Yeah. It, it. I mean, it's astounding. To me, it feels like he he had to turn in a piece. He looked around the New York Times office and saw a copy of White Fragility, (laughs) and just slapped, (laughs) and just decided, I'm gonna talk about the real White Fragility as soon as I figure it out, and- Right, (laughs) like he had the title. (laughs) Yeah, he got five paragraphs in like you said before he got to the actual topic and was like, "And now bring it on home, Ross." <laughs> <laughs>
0: and- yeah, it was um, it's remarkable, I think Especially in the summer of 2020. Like, can I see this article coming out in 2022 or something when we have a little bit more, like, mm-hmm. um, time where we can look at the events of the summer and, like, think about how they've unraveled, you know? Like, uh, maybe, you know? But this is crazy. He, I,
1: doesn't, he doesn't even give a good redefining of what white fragility would mean. Like, there's not even yeah. a good example of what the quote-unquote real white fragility is. It's... It's it's a lack of understanding the original idea from the start.
0: Right, 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 right. He said something about the SATs, like if we get rid of the <laughs> SATs, then that means that elite schools don't have to like bring Asians in and then I just yeah, like white people
2: d- are going to use this moment are interested in this moment because they're going to use it for themselves. Like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like
0: <laughs> it was really confusing and really, yeah, it was really crazy. Um, all right. Well, on that note, um, I would say you don't have to read that piece. We just basically
1: <laughs>
0: uh, told you why you don't have to read it. I mean, I, I, I'm I, always interested because, like, you know, sometimes you read an article like that and maybe it's, like, well-written and you're like, okay, I mean, I'm glad to kind of see the thinking of a person like that. Right. Um But this was really um, poor thinking. It was a title waiting for an article. Um, (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's like when I saw the title, I was like, ooh, what's that? (laughs) You know? And then I read it. I was like, ah. Okay. Well, I have to do a very exciting thing, which is a shout-out an election. District 2 in Nebraska. This comes from one of our listeners. District 2 in Nebraska. Um... And the, the uh, listener points out a place like many in the middle of the country, which is often in, ignored and also much less read than it's made out to be. Um, this district makes up most of Omaha, by the way. Um, Don Bacon and Kara Eastman are running against each other for the second time this year. Um, the listener writes, Baron doesn't stand for much besides voting along party lines. Before running for office, however, Eastman founded a local nonprofit addressing environmental factors on children's health. On children's health. Um, um, she, uh, it, so this is a, this is an interesting race. She has also received, um, again, this is, uh, Kara Eastman has also received the coveted Elizabeth Warren endorsement. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to, you know, if you are in district two in Nebraska, um, look at this race, get involved with this race and listeners of fake the nation, Tell me, what are the interesting races that you are in the middle of that I should know, that I should, um, you know, shout out loud here on the podcast? By the way, this this uh, listener pointed out um, Nebraska and Maine. We've talked about this before, but I want to remind everyone. Nebraska and Maine are the only two states that don't have winner-take-all electoral votes. Um, so if Biden wins in Omaha, uh, he'll receive one of the three electoral votes that Nebraska has, which is exciting. So don't forget about (laughs) Omaha, guys. Don't write off Omaha. Omaha could get us an electoral vote. (laughs) Again, the electoral college is fucking ridiculous, and we should abolish it. All right. Um, I'm so excited that you guys were on the show. We like to end the show by asking, is there something that is making you hopeful about our current situation? I know it's a tough one. It could be like a new brownie recipe that you tried and worked really well or it could be a world leader. It really doesn't matter.
1: Uh... <laughs> I think the prime minister or president oh of Oh my god, I was literally about helpful. to say that. She's, a, she's the hope. <laughs> Jacinda is what? my everything.
2: <laughs> Jacinda?
1: Like Jacinda? My, my North Star yeah just every time i just go I just go read New Zealand politics just to see what she's up to.
2: It was her birthday I think yesterday also slash she's only forty, and i was i just like stared at wow. her lovingly and gave her like ten seconds of like really good birthday energy <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> she's amazing
0: oh you know it's um it's sad that New Zealand isn't like. A world power, and that it's like a teeny tiny little country right. with just like a few people in it. But you know,
1: <laughs> it's a great vacation if you ever want to go. Though I love it there. Have you been? I, I spent two weeks there on vacation a couple years ago, and it's it's incredible. I would love to live there.
0: All right, I will cre- I will give you both Lucinda <laughs> Arden um, as what's making you hopeful. <laughs> Um, but I also want to let the listeners know where to find you online so they can follow all your work. Trayvon, where do they do that?
1: I am at Trayvon on Twitter and Instagram. Uh,
0: T-R-A-V-O-N. Um, he was an early adapter. Uh, <laughs> Tala, where are you I'm at? I'm jealous
2: of that, Trayvon. Um, I'm at Tala Ash with an E. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, you know.
0: Um and watch her handiwork
2: on uh, if, if I ever get DC's back to work
0: of tomorrow. <laughs> if, <laughs> 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 um uh, but they could probably they could see some back sure. the back. Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> um and uh and uh, this week I'm gonna be on, on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. So tune in to that and um you know, other things that'll probably happen soon. Wait, wasn't there one more thing I was supposed to mention? I can't remember. Uh, but what I would really like to do now is thank the people who make Fake the Nation possible. That's our wonderful producer, Anita Flores, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens, Gabi Alter wrote our theme music, and Lily Fleshler helps with research. And you know we love to hear from you. I especially love to hear about the elections you're excited about, but send us your feedback, topics we should be chatting about, guest ideas you might have. You can leave us a voicemail at 3 Three one nine zero one zero 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 five, or drop us a line at come to fake the Nation.com if you like what you hear please do leave us a review at Apple Podcast. it helps more people find the show. Um, and I believe and that's it and we'll see you next week.